Welcome to Fightonomy. Here we cover everything from finance, economy, and how it affects you. Please welcome your host, Kyle Talks. How's it going? How's it going? Welcome back. Welcome back, everyone, to this week's episode of Fightonomy. We have a lot going on. And I can't wait to jump into it. If you guys are not familiar with this show, so this is just a sub-series of my main podcast, which is Kyle Talks. And this is Phyconomy. So we talk about finance, the economy, and how it all affects you and super di- digestible, very easy to understand bites. Why am I doing this? Well, we should all want to know where our money is going. We should all want to know how we're spending our money and how our money affects us and other people around us. And this is what I went to school for. So I naturally like talking about this stuff. I'm huge into stocks, you know, apes, Wall Street bets. You know, we could talk about that stuff later, but that's kind of the vibe for the show. Um, if you like it, go ahead and share the episode, um, like it, and please review it. And further, we have a lot to get into. So let's jump right into it. Our first article for the day. We're going to talk about the student loan forgiveness. Let's jump into it. Biden kept true to his campaign promise. Student loan forgiveness is finally here. So President Biden declared this past Wednesday that the White House is forgiving up to $10,000 in federal student debt per person and up to 20, 20K for recipients of Pell Grants. This forgiveness program applies to all borrowers who currently make less than 125K a year or a quarter of a million as a couple says is buying on two. So yeah, if you have if you have any kind of money, now this applies. I'm not sure how far back this goes. Uh, when I was doing my research on this, I honestly couldn't find a straight enough answer that says like how far does this borrowing program go back to like people who went to school college in the 80s 90s i honestly could not find any information about that so if you have some information um fill me in let me know because i couldn't find it but how this works is um if you have any amount that you borrowed 10k is erased automatically no question um everyone's up for a second additional ten thousand dollars and that's if you were to receive pell grants and honestly many people um did receive pell grants so Double check. You can always check like your FAFSA loans. You can see what you've gotten. So you can easily see if you have gotten a Pell Grant. But I would say I'm 90% sure most borrowers did get a Pell Grant. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, student debt is erased. Of course, this comes with a lot of controversy. But um, let's jump into a couple other things that was also announced. So in addition to not only forgiving up to 20 k per borrower, um, during the whole COVID pandemic, we've had the president say like, hey, we don't need you guys to make payments on your loans right now worry about you know high inflation worry about actually eating you're not going to accrue interest and he's done that four other times today apparently um well when this was announced not today but when this was announced he apparently said the final pause on loan on loan repayments would be for the remainder of this year so if you have loans they're not going to accrue interest you don't have to make any payments for the rest of the year those payments are planned to start back in January of 2023. So next year on the first year, um, if you have, if you graduate this year, like myself and lots of my friends did, we're going to be making payments January 1st. That's if it doesn't get pushed again, because every time he said he has said that payments are on pause, they, he, he says it's the last time a month or two later. No, I'm just kidding. This is the last time. So we'll see. We'll see how this works out. But this is um, a huge W for a lot of students um, who have that debt and went into college willingly and knowingly they had to pay back this debt. And this is a blessing to some people. So like personally for me, this wipes out over half of my debt, like literally gone over half of what I like 
I think 75, 80% of what I owe is gone, right? And there's a lot of intricacies with that. I've talked to a lot of my business friends, my cohorts, people who own businesses, students like me, people who paid back their loans. And there's this like weird thing going on where it's politicized, um, the loan repayment thing. Just to address that, at this show, you know, like we don't have any, at least I don't have any stance on left or right. I like to look at things both in a very like clear way, like, well, this believes that, that believes that, where do I fit in in between all that? And that's kind of, I think most people should be in that position. Um, you don't want to blindly follow some someone or any, you literally, politics aside, you don't want to blindly follow anything just because you agree with them on one or two things. I don't think that's educated. I think we as people have a lot more of an ability to think for ourselves than having people tell us what to do. But it's also there's no pro there's nothing wrong with having affiliation either, right? So there's a balance to it. So wh where do where do I land on this, and how do I view this as, as as a borrower, as someone who has borrowed money to get a degree? I'm the first person in my family to actually receive a degree. So kind of where I sit on this, a lot of people have said like, well, these people are la lazy; they don't have to pay for anything. Blah blah blah. Uh, yeah, that's not true. I know there's a lot of people who went to college knowingly and took on the loans knowingly. Um, I'll use myself as an example because I did. I went to college knowingly to pay back my loans that I knew I was going to get. And it was a huge investment for me because this is, hasn't been done in my family before. And I want to prove something like I can do this. And here I am on the other side of it with my degree. Um, yeah. So not everyone who goes to college is lazy or expects the easy way out. Actually, the contrary. If you go to college... Whether you plan to pay back the debt or not, you're going to have debt. And that's going to mess you up even more if you don't pay it back. So you can call that decision stupid. But I don't know if you would say go as far as like these people are lazy. That's totally not true. Um, myself is an example. I don't know many others who in my shoes were the first person in their family to get a degree. And they went knowingly to prove a point and make a better life for themselves. So that argument is ignorant and uneducational. Now that's that stuff aside. He, there are some real implications for this for the overall economy. What could this mean for the overall economy erasing this much debt out of existence? Well, there's a few points that we should fact check real quick. So the total amount of stu student loan debt, student loan debt alone right now in the United States is $1.75 trillion. That is a lot of zeros, a lot of zeros in there. And having up to 10K plus the additional 10, so up to 20, is not going to make a real dent at all. There's actually some, now the math on this is very loose, so forgive me if I give you some wrong numbers, this is what I could find, um, but the, up to now, Biden's current loan forgiveness plan, this will only wipe out about 10, 11, up to $20 billion off that, and that is crazy. So we're going to still have tons of debt still after this. So this won't really won't affect the overall market overwide. Now, like I said, those numbers are very loosely based. I've looked at a couple of different sources. They can't really say until this thing really gets going. So these are just projections, nothing. But that kind of gives you an idea-ish around where it could be. Now, I know a lot of people have talked about him forgiving all student debt. Now, that will certainly cause a economic downfall in the country. We, this country is built on debt. This country, if you've missed my previous episodes, let me give you a little quick thing about it. The American economy, like how we make money in America isn't printing. It's through debt creation. So when someone takes out a loan to do literally anything, to buy food, to go to a store, to go to school, to buy a car, 
That's how money is created. You just took on a $10,000 loan to buy this car. Boom. $10,000 is created out of the air because that debt is held against you. And that's where that money comes from. Money is not created by being printed. The American society, you know, we invented credit. Um, I think we are. Don't quote me on that. I think we talked about a couple of my classes and I did some research, but I think we're one of the pioneers, if not the inventors of that. Of course, it goes way back to, you know, people buying stuff on credit before it's called credit and, the you know, European. So it's not like we're, you know, not to sound dumb. It's not like we created it literally, but we have implemented on it heavily as a society. And that's how money is created. So money isn't created via a printer. It's created because you took on debt to do whatever you wanted to do with that debt. So having now that we understand that our society, our economy, the U.S. economy is built on having debt, having just one point seven trillion dollars erased from like existence. Literally, if that's how we create money, that's how you take away money. It's gone. That will cause a lot of loans that will cause a lot of service vendors to fail for it. Will the total of student debt get canceled? I don't I I want to say I'm ninety nine percent sure that will never happen. There's no way that's going to happen. The financial implications overall, like the whole of society, that will not happen. Um, I can promise you that is not going to happen. If it does, well, uh, this podcast will be popular because I'll be the guy who said it would never happen and it did, you know. So it's a win-win either way. But that's kind of about the overall of this. Now, some people's like, how is this getting paid for then? And for wiping that much money off the table? Well, we're good at it. You already know what's coming. Taxes. So, the American taxpayer, which is all of us, will be having increased sales tax, increased income tax. We don't know what that looks like yet, but that is coming. So be on the lookout for that. There is not a lot of math right now about how much that's going to cost each taxpayer. The I think the number going around at the moment is about it's going to cost an additional $2,000 per, per um, taxpaying citizen. So it's going to cost you $2,000 to wipe out 10K for so for me, an example, I'm paying $2,000 to wipe out $20,000 of my student debt, which is literally like 80% of what I owe. So there's, if that kind of gives you an idea what you're looking at, how much money, of course, these numbers are loose, nothing's, you know, in concrete yet, but around $2,000 per tax paying American citizens. A lot of people compare this to PPP loans. There's like trauma about it. I don't want to get too much into it, um, but I want to say that this is kind of the same thing that happened with businesses back in COVID year. So during COVID and lots of businesses were forced to be shut down and a lot of businesses, there are small businesses that will never come back because of COVID and how we handled it on the business section, which I don't agree. I actually think we did a great disservice to American to American men and women who own and operate their own small business. We've done them a great disservice. Um, I don't think that was handled correctly is the business aspect at all. Unfortunately, there's people that will never recover from that. But the PPP loans, if you don't know what the PPP loans, let me make it really easy. It was, hey, the, the economy's kind of like hecked up right now. Here's some money so you can keep growing. That's all that is. It was like a stimulus. PPP loans were stimulus payments for businesses. That's literally what it was. And a lot of people were comparing the two, saying that it, it makes sense for one, but it makes not sense for the other. I'm telling you guys right now, it's essentially the same thing. There's a lot of intricacies that come with it. But here's my overall take. I'm grateful to have over 80% of my um, debt taken away. And I know many other students are. A lot of students going into this plan to make a lot of students who went into this plan to pay off their debt one way or the other. And the government forces you to pay it off anyways by seizing your stuff anyways. 
So this is a huge W for people. Now what the economic implications for this can actually be held to a different standard. You can make an argument that this isn't the healthiest thing to do for an economy and it can actually deal with inflation even more. So there are goods and bads to this, but overall I think this is a win for people who want to get educated and want to make differences in their life. And I really think this is a huge W. Should we do something like this in the future? We can have a debate about that later, but I maybe don't think so. Let's jump into our next topic. Inflation still on a rampage and only sees some signs of cooling as we still sit in our technical recession. So as you guys know, a few months ago, we came out, we've had two bad. The U.S. economy did bad for two months in a row to make it simple to understand. And when the U.S. economy does bad two months in a row, we are technically in a recession. That is what the book says. That is what the American government has set up. Of course, if you have a list of my other previous episodes, I talked about how we are technically in a recession because we had two bad months as a society economically. And there's politicians who are saying we aren't in a recession because drumroll election season is this year for Senate, for different House of Representatives. It's a huge election season, second to the presidential election. So there is um, people who want your vote and that say, no, we're good. We're in a, we're not in a recession. We'll take care of you. Um, yeah, they're lying. And this is literally the point because they want your vote. Just be mindful. Both sides do that. Both. Let me be clear. Both sides are doing that. So be aware of where you are and understanding what's going on outside of what um, big political agendas will want to tell you. So with that in mind and us being aware and cognizant of that, inflation is still up over 8.7% year over year. So you're almost, you're paying about 10% take take some off of that. You're paying, paying about 10% from your goods. So inflation is still a big problem. Gas is still a big problem. Payment for things are still an issue in our ec- economy today. And so just be just be aware. So I want to bring this up is politicians are still not calling us in um, in a recession. There's been multiple politicians. I was going to put all their names down. I'm not going to waste your time. It's literally all of them that are saying that we aren't in a recession because we see some signs of cooling. And here's the problem. You, we are still facing high levels of inflation. But since that it's coming down like half a percent, a quarter of a percent, since inflation is coming down a little bit, they're saying, see, things are getting better. Don't worry. We're doing the right thing. And it's all a ruse. It's to confuse you. It's to make you think we're in a better position, but we're still in a we're still in a pot of boiling water. One of my um, good business friends, he told me it's like when you put a frog in a in um in a pot and you of water and you turn up the heat like consecutively and they don't notice and they just die right. This is essentially what's going on is the heat's really hot, but they're turning it down a little bit. So it feels like it's getting cooler, but the water's still hot. I hope that analogy makes sense to you, but the water's still hot. They're just making you think it's a little colder. And and here's the thing. That's a half truth. And the half truth is a lie. That is essentially what is going on. They're trying to make you feel better about hot water, even though the water is still hot. So be aware of that. Be on the lookout for that. Here's what I recommend you do, knowing inflation is still high. With this election season, look who's running for House of Representatives. Look who's running for the Senate. Look what what all, I don't even know what entirely every role is getting elected. So this is what I'm going to do, and I recommend you do it. Look and see who's running and for what and what they say about inflation. If inflation's a big deal to you, and I hope that it is because it literally affects every one of us in America. So I would recommend you do your research and see what they say and find out what different parties 
um, and different representatives, regardless of parties, what they're saying about it and make your make your vote based on that, not just based on whatever political party you closely identify with. We I think we have so much more of a value of people to think for ourselves and process things for ourselves. We have we are an amazing species. We can deduce a lot of things on our own. And of course, we need some help from outside sources to kind of give us a little guide sometimes, too. So, yeah. And in addition to that, so the Fed, the Federal Reserve, which is the money managers of America, they plan on increasing interest rates in the future. And if you don't know what that means, how they how the money managers of America, how they manage money is they make interest rates higher or lower. How does that help inflation, Kyle? Well, since we know that the America, since we know money is created in America from debt. So when you take that $10,000 loan, that's how money is created. Boom, right then and there. It's not printed. It's created through debt. So since the American system is built on debt, if we increase or decrease interest rates, that makes money more expensive or less expensive. So for a quick example, just so you guys can get caught up, if you take a $10,000 loan at a 10% interest rate, that money's more expensive because you have to pay 10% every month just to have that loan. Or let's say on the other side, you take a $10,000 loan and you have a 1% interest rate on it. That money's really cheap. And so you can use that money at 1% payment a month and have that money. So, and what does that do? It encourages spending money or encourages saving money. So I hope that was like a quick, rough way for you to kind of get it. But that's how interest rates affect the overall market, makes it more or less expensive to use money. So they plan on greatly increasing the interest rates. So making it harder to pay, um, making it harder to pay for things. And the, the president of the Money Management Club said that small businesses and many households will feel the pain of high inflation, but it's essential and necessary to reduce the overall effect of inflation. What does that mean? That might sound like a lot. We're going to make money really expensive and it's going to suck for you small business owners and households, but we have to do it. And here's the crappy part. I hope you're ready for this. He's right. He got a lot of flack for that, for saying that he was um, like in the business finance world publicly like shamed, like, oh, you can't say that people are going to hurt. You don't care. I'm actually going to take the very contrarian view and contrarian just means opposite and say that he's right. We need to increase infl- we need to increase interest rates so much that it really hurts, but it's better that you hurt in the short term than in the long term. Cuz the long term if inflation keeps running like this, we're all going to be broke, every single one of us. And the short term, if we can just be really smart with our finances 6 months to up to a year, and that is short term, we'll be way better off. So it does suck that he said that. But hard truths like that make me believe him because it's true in what he said. If we make money more expensive, less people will spend and it will really suck and money will be really tight. But that's how you fix it in the long term. And that is something that's called like a hard truth where you don't want to believe it. But it is essentially and absolutely true. Um, So be on the lookout for that. I'll keep you guys updated. But the plan is to make money more expensive in the short term. So in the long term, we're good. I hope you guys follow me when I say that. It's very important and it's very true. Let's jump into our final topic of the day. We're giving you three today. This one's a little weird. Not too sure how to feel about it, but here it is. California, the country's most populous state and center of U.S. car culture, is banning the sale of new gasoline-powered vehicles starting beginning in 2035. What does that mean? 
that means that by 2035, it will be banned, illegal to send new, to sell new gas-powered vehicles in the state of California. This is requiring automakers to work around and change how they approach vehicle sales and manufacturing in California. Um, I dug a little deeper so you guys can get a little bit more of an understanding. You can still own and drive gas vehicles by 2035, but you cannot sell them. They cannot be sold. But on the used market, you could. So let's say if you bought a gas car today and try to sell it in 2036, you could sell it because it's on the used market. So it's totally okay to sell. You just can't sell new vehicles like um, a Ford or something. Can't sell like on their lot. They cannot sell gas-powered vehicles. Interesting. These things come from a good place and they're focusing on reducing um, carbon emissions and eliminating climate change by banning the sales. But that, will that really help? So I have some interesting statistics for you guys that are EV vehicle, are EV vehicles better for the environment? Yes, no. Yes and no. And here's something from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology Energy Initiative. Here's some stats that they have given us. And it's just some facts, I'll say. There's some facts coming from uh, the Massachusetts IT Energy Initiative place. Production of EV vehicles, and EV just means electronic, um, environmental vehicles. Production of EV vehicles generate multiples of higher emission rates compared to its gasoline counterparts, specifically the battery and fuel production for the batteries. What's this mean? It actually cost it takes more of a toll on the climate to create these electronic vehicles than it does to create your gas vehicles so creating creating your tesla actually hurts the environment more than creating your ford or creating a battery fueled car actually hurts the environment more than your engine gas car interesting that's not it this is offset by ev vehicles over time due to its energy source once EV vehicles electricity can be renewed, then we will see a, a significant impact on the climate. But until then, it's small steps that will take years to offset the production cost of these vehicles. And this is according to Paltsev, who is a part of the Massachusetts Institute of Technology Energy, Energy Initiative. <clears throat> There's a lot there. So what does that mean? That means creating your electric vehicles actually hurts the environment more than your gas. That's offset, though, because the energy that these electronic vehicles use is cleaner and better than the gas car. But due to how we understand energy and implementing it now, that offset takes about 30, 40, 50 plus years to actually get the offset of that. That's crazy, isn't it? But according to this institute, which is highly regarded when it comes to energy, it would actually improve once our energy becomes more renewable, electricity becomes more renewable, and we can farm and produce electricity cleaner. I think that can mean solar power, different things and stuff like that. So there's a long way to go before electronic vehicles actually help the environment more. Um, based on my understanding and the article I just read to you and some other research I've done, they do help the environment, but it has to be in the long term before you really see any way that it's helping the environment. So take that for what it's worth. A little interesting for those who live in Cali. For those who don't, there it is. But hey, guys, that was your three big topics today. A lot going on, a lot to be aware of. Know where your money's going. Be aware of what's going on and just be smart with your money. That's all we got to do. And you're going to be okay. If you're smart with your money, you can literally live on anything if you know what you're doing. And that is God's honest truth. 
Thank you guys. If you enjoyed, please review, review, review on anything that you're watching on right now. Share the episode, share to educate someone, share to show maybe they didn't know how it's going on. This is how it's going. You guys are loved. You're blessed. You're valued more than you know. And I will see you guys next week for Kyle Takes. Peace.